Good morning, everybody. Nice to be with you all. Welcome. Uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to get to speak to what's going on in Advent this season. And Advent is, as we talked about, it's a season where we uh, both like remember how Jesus came as a child and also anticipate his coming again. We remember Jesus' humble birth and remember his promise to return to make things right, right? Like how Jesus is going to continuously show up in our lives to set things well, right? Uh, so this also involves getting in touch with our longing for Jesus. So I'm, I'm just privileged. I feel a lot of gratitude to you all for the opportunity to, uh, to speak and share from my heart and discuss what's going on in this Advent season. And what we're going to be looking at is John 16, 19, 19 through 24, so you can turn there. It's also going to be on the screen. John 16, 19 through 24. And we're going to learn all about Jesus' joy this morning. So here's what it says. <clears throat> Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I mean when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we welcome your presence and uh, the joy that comes with that. We remember uh, in this season how you came as a child, humbly. And Lord, we want to learn from you what you said to your disciples and what, like, what your understanding of joy is and how that can affect us. And not only like uh, give us things to think about, but we can experience that right now. So I pray for that. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come uh, with the fruit of joy in our church. I pray for like a real breakthrough experience of joy in our church. And Lord, uh, I'm your humble servant. Please just uh, use me as you would deem capable um, to serve my brothers and sisters. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, gosh, I don't think I can do this today, actually. I'm sorry. Um, this is sort of weird and really embarrassing. Um, I don't think I can preach today. Brad, um, will you come up here? What? Will you come up here, please, Brad? Right now? Yeah, come up right now. <laughs> no. I'd really appreciate it if you came up here, please. No, come on, come on. Hey, uh, yeah, this is our communications director, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> come on up. Could we get Brad a mic? Yeah. Just take it. Okay, come over here, Brad. Uh, 
Hi. Hey. Um, will you do my sermon for me today, please? <laughs> Are you serious? This would be huge for me, man. I really need your help. Are, are you okay? I'm okay. okay. Um, I just need your help, okay? So I've, it'll be easy for you. I've done all the hard stuff, all the preparing. All you have to do is read it, okay? Nope, not, not comfortable with this. No, Brad, come this. on. No, I'm not. I think you need some encouragement, right, Brad? You can do this sermon. Yes, yes. So why don't you take over? I'm going to go sit down. I need to... I just need to I've literally never done this before. I... Yeah. You got it. You got it. There's a seat yeah. next to my wife yeah, if I'll, you want to. Yeah, I'll sit right there. Hey, how you doing? So what, what do you, you want me to just read? Re just, your... just from where I left off after, amen. Okay. Um, Stand up straight. Okay. My confidence. Okay. Um, so I, I grew up in Bakersfield. Okay, speak up. Speak up. I grew up in Bakersfield, and as part of the Barrios family... It's Barrios. I, Barrios family. We've been friends for almost three years, Brad. Okay, Barrios. okay, I'm nervous, okay? okay? You got it, you got it. Okay, okay. Um, so as part of the ba Barrios family, Barrios, yeah. I, uh, I would play this game with my mom um, mm -hmm. called Jack in the Box uh, that she would use to burn off my energy, and... Uh, and, and yeah. basically, I would crouch down next to her knees when she was sitting down, and I would pop up. Yeah, act it out. I don't know what this game from your childhood looks like. Okay, I, I'll, I'll show you real quick. All right, but... So it's, it was a really fun game. You're going to love it. So you kind of like... So imagine, like, my mom sitting down, and... So you're, you're going to be me, I'm going to be like my mom. So I'm, like, sitting down, you crouch down to, like, my knees, and... And then you're gonna pop up after I raise my hands. Okay, and okay, stop, stop, stop. No, no, I'm sorry. I, Matt, you're my friend, and I love you, but I, I, I can't do this. I'm sorry. Why not? Why not? This is this is literally my worst nightmare. <laughs> like I, I just I Brad. come to church just to receive and be fed and and and, and encouraged, and then you, and then you force me to come up here. And to do your job and to yeah. read your notes well, mind you, giving me live feedback while I'm doing it. I, 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 I didn't sign up for this. And this is so disorienting. This is not what I wanted. I think I get it. Um, will you help me? Like, I can do it if you do it with me, maybe? What? Yeah, let's just read together, okay? So, um, let's see. Um, uh, okay, um, so, yeah, right here. My, My mom, mom would, would laugh, laugh so hard and, and sing. Thank you, <laughs> Brad Whitty. Um, that's a sincere friend who will rope me into, like, the weirdest possible thing. Uh, I, I can rope him into the weirdest possible thing, and he's down for it. What a good guy. So, uh, yeah, right? Um, so let's talk about what just happened here, huh? <laughs> um, I'm, you've probably sat in this church plenty of times. And uh, this isn't typically how a sermon goes, right? Um, uh, this, like, weird breaking the fourth wall experience. And... Uh, 
And typically it's not like this dialogue, it's not whatever, it's not usually this weird. Um, and it's sort of disorienting, right? When we have expectations that don't pan out how we expect or plan. And, uh, and I think, gosh, this is our, probably our daily life is experiencing this level of disorientation, right? And maybe it's not like this, but like there's this moment of like, that didn't go as I planned. And if you've, maybe if you felt lost, like what was going on during this sketch, uh, then mission accomplished for me, actually. I, I was, I wanted to be kind of disorienting. I, I don't know, I'm like trolling you all a little bit. Um, if you loved it, then awesome, you know, like the disorienting experience. And part of what I want to talk about is the way that the kind of joy that Jesus uh, describes and lives in is a kind that meets us in the disorientation, right? It's, his joy is not for like when everything's going great. It's actually sometimes in times of deep frustration, deep, deep frustration, um, when things aren't going as they should or as expected. And you know, like, for example, I come to a church for a sermon and there's this weird sketch, right? Like, what's going on? And it's not even that funny, right? So, um, so this is actually what Advent is, okay? This is Advent. Advent is awaiting the presence of Jesus at times when we might feel deeply frustrated with our lives. As we await him, we anticipate his return and, you know, in the midst of things not being as we hope for, and that's what we're talking about today. We're awaiting the presence of Jesus. And, you know, I think in some ways, rightfully so, if we're deeply frustrated by things happening in our lives and in the world all around us, right? Um, there's, things aren't right. And as much as it's like, you know, like a wonderful Hallmark Disney dream to like pretend that's not the case, there's things that are distraught and painful happening in our lives. There's injustice and we can't pretend everything's okay. There's suffering in the world. There's homelessness and loneliness, debt, the realities of death and loss. And, and not, that's like on a big scale, but what is it for you, right? What kind of knot in your stomach exists that seems like, that makes it seem like joy is impossible in that corner of your life. So, I mean, like, imagine it, like, just this knot in your stomach, like, what is it? Is it depression? Is it busyness? Anxiety? Is it stress? Uh, maybe we're, like, unwillingness to be uncomfortable. Maybe we're, there's, like, an entitlement in us. There's anxiety about what's coming. Like, it could be a whole list of things that are just the knot in our stomachs that seem to get in the way of us experiencing the joy of Jesus. And, I mean, I think fairly, as we grow older, we might think that joy is uh, for people who are out of touch with reality, all right? Like, like, can you actually be joyful when there's this amount of injustice or stress or pain or suffering in the world? And a person can't be like a serious, substantial, grown-up Christian and still also experience joy. There's money to make in an expensive city. There's pain. There's trouble. We can't actually think that joy is something for a follower of Jesus. And when we're talking about joy, why am I starting with like all this sad stuff, right? Like I'm just go through this disorienting experience and a laundry list of really painful things happening in the world and in our own lives. 
What does that have to do with joy? Uh, you might be even thinking, like, like, you bummed me out, Matt. I don't feel joyful at all right now. And in a sermon on joy, why have I focused on this first? Well, the joy of Jesus is the kind that comes in the midst of everything going wrong. Nothing going as planned. So much pain, so much fear. That's where joy, the joy of Jesus comes. And the joy of Advent is Jesus being born into everything going wrong. Like he's born into like a poor, low estate family. Uh, there's like a genocidal king trying to kill babies. There's uh, like he, on his first, you know, Christmas, so to speak, right? Like there's, there's no room for his family to even stay. They have to be like in the manger, like in, the, in practically the outhouse of the establishment. And like that's where you can stay. And I think this is the kind of joy that, we're, that Jesus describes. It's joy that comes from untangling these knots in our stomachs where everything's going wrong. And it's actually a joy that acknowledges the opposite. And so, like, the way, the way I see it, Kierkegaard says, um, and I think, you know, this is kind of like the, the framing point of this sermon. So, it belongs to the imperfection of everything human that man can only attain his desire by passing through its opposite. We can only attain our desires by passing through the opposite. Human life is really counterintuitive in that way. Um, we need to go through the opposite to get to where we want to be. If our desire is joy, we have to go through the opposite of joy. We have to go through pain. We have to go through suffering, dependence, longing. Um, and this is Advent. This is like the story of Advent is how much we have to actually sink into our longing, our doubt, our fear, whatever that might be, in order to emerge on the other side and find the joyful presence of Jesus that is there. And that's what we're going to be doing. We need to go through this opposite to find joy. And nobody understood this, I believe, better than Jesus did. Um, and I think there's probably several ways we're desperate for Jesus' joyful presence in our lives that he's going to describe for us in these passages. Uh, we long for Christ's joy in our suffering. We long for Christ's joy in our requests for help. And we long for Christ's joy in our lack of purpose. Jesus was deeply in touch with the suffering of the, of the world. And he knows that there can be joy in the suffering. Jesus teaches his disciples as he preps them for his death and departure and his eventual return, he says, you know, in a little while you'll see me no more and after a little while you'll see me very truly. I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then he says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. I'm sure the mothers in this room can say amen to that. Just like, yeah, like, that's my experience. And probably all the moms who are uh, watching their kids on this stage earlier. I actually asked my mom. I didn't want to, like, mansplain childbirth or anything. So <laughs> I asked my mom what she thought about this verse. And uh, here's what she told me. She said, when Jesus talks about giving birth... <laughs> He states it exactly how it is. In the throes of labor, you're fixated on the pain, what you can do to erase it and how long it will take to go away. 
your mind is so focused on this that you're not thinking that eventually your baby that you've been eagerly awaiting will finally be with you. But the instant you were born, oh, she's talking about me in this part. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about the pain I'd had just seconds before. In fact, I, was even thanking, I wasn't even thinking God that the pain was over. I was completely focused on the ecstatic, albeit exhausted, joy of looking into your beautiful brown eyes. <laughs> so, oh, mom. And within a very short amount of time, there was little memory of the anguish. There was only the joy that I finally had you in my arms. Because of this amazing, amazing miracle, memory loss, we're willing to do it all again. <laughs> I was just like, I love this mom. Um, and then she went on to say, and I'll remind you, three babies, no drugs, all natural, breathe through hours of pain. pain I'm proud of that. Yeah. And Barrios. And if we're talking about the same kind of joy that Jesus is talking about and that he knows, uh, though not firsthand, uh, it's the kind of joy that's on the other side of suffering, going through the opposite to get there. The joy of Jesus is a joy familiar with suffering and pain because that's the character of Jesus. This is true of Jesus and his followers. Jesus knows suffering, he knows pain, he knows oppression and what it's like to be despised. In fact, a prophecy about Jesus written by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah about 700 years before he was born. It says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a shoot out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty attracted to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. And the prophecy goes on to describe not only the sort of pain and suffering that he would endure, a man of constant sorrow, familiar with pain, but go on to describe his death. It says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. It's Jesus's firsthand experience of deep suffering being fully in touch with it that prompts him to teach his disciples about the sort of joy that embraces suffering rather than avoids it. Jesus is not afraid of the most devastating challenges to joy, not in his life, not in our lives, not even death. In fact, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. And so, I believe as Jesus understands that joy is not the absence of pain, suffering, and frustration. It's the companion to them. When things are disorienting and going wrong, when the Uber's canceled, when money's tight, when the sermon started with a weird sketch, there's joy that can be a companion there. And though there's pain in pregnancy and the process of childbirth, it results in the joy of a newborn. Okay, this is the joy that Jesus describes. And just think for a second about how countercultural 
this is. Uh, you know, we live in a culture where you pop a painkiller, right? Drink to forget. Um, we can just avoid things through an endless stream, an endless scroll. And uh, I'm not trying to accuse anybody. I do these things, right? Like, I, I get it. Um, but let's be real about this, okay? These are our lives. We're Christians because we see the sinful, painful, unwise patterns of our lives, these reality, the reality that we exist in, and we know we need the help of God. And when it comes to joy, it makes me wonder, what if the reason joy isn't more fully evident in our world is because we distance ourselves from desperation, suffering, and grief? What if that's why? What if Jesus is right and resisting grief, no grief, also means no joy? In fact, a, a mentor of mine says that suffering and joy are the same muscle. Suffering and joy are the same muscle. And I, I tend to agree with this. Our capacity for embracing suffering seems equal to our capacity for experiencing joy. Um, maybe you've had this experience where you're listening to a really sad song, and it's just like, this is the perfect song. Like, I, I feel the love. I fe it's actually raising my spirit. I don't know why, but this sad song is exactly what I needed. And I remember this. Uh, my, um, my last year in college, I went through a pretty devastating breakup that was really, really difficult. And thank God for Sufjan Stevens' Sister Winter, <laughs> which I played on repeat. And it's, uh, it starts off as just like the most depressing song you'll ever hear, seriously. It's, it's so perfect. Um, and I remember in that season, uh, Sufjan was doing a, a Christmas tour, and me and my sister went to go watch him perform. And we had coined this term, losing it in all directions. Like, got to lose it, like experience the pain of it all the way, and experience the joy of it all the way, and the peace of it all the way, and the sadness of it all the way, just like losing it in every direction. And that happened to that concert. And it was just this moment of not only can there be extreme like sadness and desperation and heartbreak, but also there can be this joy and things coming back, back together. And it really takes going through it and entering into it and finding Jesus in it. That's where the real joy is. And suffering takes us to that place, a place of desperation, longing, and ultimately surrender, I think. That's where the joy is, when we experience our need for help. So through experiencing pain, suffering, we experience our dependence on God. We realize how much we can count on Him. It's our pain and suffering that really teaches us this, that we need to depend on God. And he's available to help us. Um, in fact, he wants us to ask for help from him. When we make a request from him, he gives generously to us. And through that, we experience his joy. So uh, we experience Christ's joy in God's response to our requests for help. All right. So not only through taking the pathway of suffering, but in response to our requests for help, we experience Christ's joy. And Jesus says that uh, in the return of his presence, the Father will grant requests that we make in his name. So in that day, uh, he says, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. 
it's like receiving that really great gift at Christmas and you open it and like you just have to exclaim, it's everything I wanted. This is exactly what I wanted. I love it. Like I love when my niece does that. It's the most precious thing. She's like, it's just what I wanted. And that's the joy that comes from receiving a really generous and perfect gift. And that's the kind that Jesus likes to give. Um, but not only that, I think there's, there's like an interesting nuance to this that the Christian philosopher James K.A. Smith understands, and he, he writes in his essay, The State of Joy, um, and it's kind of in philosophical language, so we'll unpack it, but uh, in a relational context, joy emerges from a sense of resting on someone who gives. In such a context, having received, being a recipient, is not experienced as a debt, but as a basis for joy. So the stance of receptivity that seems integral to joy points to another, a giver, or givers, or capital G giver, perhaps one could say that joy is a mode of enjoying gratitude. That is, joy is the enjoyment of being a recipient where receiving a gift fosters not resentment at being indebted, but an open welcome of such gifting. It presupposes recognition of one's indebtedness as a good feature of a blessed creaturely life. So joy is about receiving. Uh, in fact, joy is about uh, willingness to be indebted, right? And actually seeing that not as like, how can I pay back or whatever, uh, but wow, I can actually just receive this gift and be indebted to God ultimately, to people. And it can be okay. And in fact, it can be joy to receive that way. Not trying to keep track and like live in this quid pro quo, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours sort of world. And by the way, I think that's just like a total recipe for anxiety, like keeping track of like, oh, who, have I, who has given to me? I need to make sure I give that back, right? Like the returning favors economy. No, I think the sort of joy that happens is just like a willingness to be indebted to somebody. You gave to me and I know you don't need me to repay you. I get to receive that in joy. I think it's really powerful. So for the will aligned with Jesus, making requests of God um, in the name of Jesus, like there's an abundance given in return. There's abundant generosity. And it's this gift economy that Jesus like institutes where he gives so generously to us. That's where joy is. And what I think this opens up for us is the ability to live in full gratitude and just experience the gratitude of, man, I've been given so much. Life's a gift. People, God has been such a good giver of gifts to me. And we can be grateful for what we have received, especially those things we've received that we've really, really longed for, right? Like there's, there's this proverb, like a longing fulfilled is a tree of life right? Like, as we long for things, as we deeply long for them, and it's fulfilled, it can just be the most, like, ecstatic, beautiful thing in our lives. Um, I'm, I'm, like, currently riding this wave, okay? So, um, I actually just got engaged two weeks ago, so I am pumped. Thank you. I am so grateful. And, um, I, I seriously believe, like, the source of joy is because I, I, like, longed for this. Like, I have deeply longed for this, and I'm so grateful to get to receive it. 
Um, and my awesome fiance, Lindsay, is so great. She's sick, so you know, you'll have to wait to see the ring or whatever another day. But it's the longing that makes it all the more fulfilling, um, the hardship. And so there's like this deep gratitude I experience in it. And I think there's actually meaning in it. Right. So how does Christ's presence in suffering and our neediness bring joy? I think that we experience Christ's joy as we find purpose in a generous way of life, too. Not only receiving so God's generosity to us, but, but also getting to give. Um, and so, on one hand, like, we need to let grief and suffering be a pathway that leads to joy because we find his presence there, and it's, like, deeply fulfilling and beautiful. And also, we can make requests of God and be indebted to him, and that's actually the grounds of joy as well being grateful for that. And also, uh, I think we get to enjoy the presence of God in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I mean, over the last couple months, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, um, walking more and more into how God's empowering presence is part of our daily lives. And in fact, uh, we get to like be almost like co-conspirators in the joy of the world alongside the Holy Spirit. Um, not only is Jesus conspiring in every one of your joy in your life, I think he is. I think we get to lock, lock arms with Christ and conspire in the joy of other people. And one of the things that I love to do is I, I play spiritual games. That's what I refer to them. Um, like, so a spiritual game, for example, is, uh, you know, like, for example, if joy was the thing, I might, like, uh, do a, like, random number generator and look at a list of people, and then, like, number seven. Who's number seven on the list? Well, I'm going to be completely committed to them experiencing joy next time I see them, right? Like, and, like, Holy Spirit, like, what would that look like? What if I, like, empty myself into trying to bring joy to another person's life? Would you help me with that? Can we do that side by side? And I think these spiritual games, it's like life is like a Harlem Globetrotters game. It's just like, you know, the alley-oop and then just toss it up to Jesus. He slam dunks it <laughs> and just set Jesus up for the win. And I think when we play these spiritual games, there can be such joy in it. And not only joy, like purpose, right? Like God wants to do something through our lives. And there's such powerful purpose, joyful purpose in that. One example of this is um, the, the writer Bob Goff in his book, Love Does. It's like a really, really great book. It's, he's like a, a man of joy to the umph degree. It's incredible. I once um, went and saw him talk, and at the end of it, he was just like, hey, if you want a hug, just line up afterwards. Like, he's just like that kind of guy, right? So he, there's this story in his book where he talks about a young man who... Uh, like arrives at his house one day. He's just like, hey, I really want to propose uh, at your house. It's like the perfect spot. And he's just like, this stranger, right? And he's just like, sure, yeah, do it. And, um, and then like the young man goes away. Then he comes back the next day and he's just like, hey, could I do it on your front porch? And he's just like, yeah, sure. He's like, oh, can we serve dinner too? Um, and he's just like, yeah. Like, can we make dinner in your kitchen? <laughs> and he's just like, yes, you can, right? Like, and, and so, uh, and then eventually like, the day comes and there's the proposal and everything. And it's just like all of this stuff where Bob's just going out of his way to make this the most joyful experience possible for this young couple. And, 
and then at the end of it, he's just like, hey, and now go on my boat and like just enjoy the San Diego Harbor and like, like enjoy being together. And this is what Christian joy looks like. It's like the extravagant generosity. Like, um, like I, I will be inconvenienced for your joy. I'm willing to be inconvenienced. And not only is that like really awesome in and of itself just to serve people in that way, but uh, I found that when I'm invested in another person's joy, like my life just feels like this perpetual motion joy machine. It's really incredible. Just like as we sow joy into another person's life, we reap it for ourselves. Like it's really incredible. And this, these are the sort of games that we get to play with God. There's like purpose, right? There's power, there's meaning in it. And, you know, again, very countercultural. Like, this is very different from a world where it's kind of like, I need to take care of myself, take care of my own. Um, like, there's scarcity all around me. I just need to, like, overcome it. I need to survive this planet. And we're, like, hyper self-conscious about that. And, uh, again, James K.A. Smith, in the same essay, he says, joy is found in an experience of losing oneself, of being caught up in something bigger, something beyond such experience of joy, uh, such experiences of joy do not require the disillusion of consciousness, but they do seem to require, require a release from self-consciousness. Uh, you know, I do improv, me and Brad do improv together, and like one of the things that we talk about is like, get out of your head, right? Get out of your self-focus, like just like don't be living in your, your like self-thinking, like what am I about? I'm like so worried, so fearful, I need to protect myself, like there's such beauty and freedom and joy that can come from that. And how is it all possible? How is joy in the midst of pain and suffering possible? How is joy in acknowledging our neediness and making requests of God possible? Jesus has come, and he remains in spirit, and we hope for his coming again. But he first came as a child, he came into a lowly place. Amongst people who would go forgotten so easily. And there was still celebration for him. And he deserved it. It's the God of the universe emptying himself out to be a humble king. And he's on a mission with a purpose. And it's a really joyful purpose. And it's found by taking the path of suffering and finding Jesus there, the path of gratitude and partnership with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, just in case you don't know, Jesus wants you as part of this. He wants to meet you in these places. That, that knot in your stomach that makes it seem like joy isn't really possible for you in some area of your life, he wants to speak blessing and joy to that in your life. He wants to meet you there. He has a redemptive plan for that. And that redemptive plan is, is more than anything to give to you all his full self. To give himself to you, emptied out for you. Let's pray. So Jesus, 
we acknowledge you as our Lord. We uh, appreciate that you came as a child. And for a moment, we just think about the ways that we're longing for you to be more present in our lives, in particular, your joy, wanting to experience your joy. in what's disorienting us, in the suffering. So Jesus, we uh, trust that you will do your good work as we worship you. We reach out for you. We know you reach back. And Jesus, we, we welcome your presence. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.